Hey everybody, welcome to the Jaded 1%. I'm Dave. And I'm Joe. And tonight we are going to be talking about... As a parent, how are we influencing our families being jaded? Wow. That's, that's deep. Kind of a weighted question, yeah. All right, so uh, we'll jump right into this topic tonight. And I would venture to say that um, regardless of what you do in life, I'm sure the thought has, and, and, so would it, regardless of what you do in life, and if you're a parent, you've probably wondered how who you are, what you do influences, has an impact on your home, your spouse, and, and your children in particular. For sure. And so um, I think those who are in the military, who are in law enforcement, uh, any kind of first responder, um, you know, as, as, as we've kind of ventured on this, I think even, um, nurses, mm -hmm. people in the medical, uh, profession, um, deal with a lot of this stuff. So, um, that's our topic for tonight. So we're curious as to what you think. And if you're willing to listen, Joe and I are going to tell you what we think. <laughs> so what are your thoughts? Well, um, I think this came down because, you know, I've got four children mm -hmm. and they range ages from. 14 to uh, almost six. And um, there are influences, good and bad. And we have to recognize that we have that power and we have that influence inside our families. And um, I think I was just sitting on the couch one day and wondering, you know, what, probably wondering what kind of a damage am I causing my children being the way that I am? But I know there are, there, there are definite differences between families that are military, you know, and law enforcement than everybody else. I mean, I can take my, my loaded uh, pistol, you know, when I decide to carry, I can put it on the counter or even on the couch and I have every bit of confidence knowing that no one's going to mess with it. My, my five-year-old will look at it and he won't touch it. He'll go, Oh, is that your gun? Yeah. Oh, okay. And then he'll just be off again. Um, and I'm not sure that's like that in, you know, I don't know, quote unquote, normal homes. Um, and, but it's got me thinking about what about my attitudes? Um, you know, am I too gruff on my children when they get hurt? Do I say, listen, stand up, shake it off, drink water, move on. Or, um, you know, is that not being uh, genuine enough? Is that not being a little more, is that not heartfelt enough for them to, feel like they're cared for. Um, so that's kind of how I, you know, that's been circling my, my brain a little bit as I navigate some of these conversations. Yeah. It, so it's interesting that you say that because gun safety is, is certainly one of those things that becomes a very, um, and a topic very early on, uh, with our kids and, oh yeah. Uh, Somebody much wiser than me and that had been law enforcement a long, lot longer than I did sort of gave me the advice of you need to, you need to familiarize your kids with your gun. Um, make it something that's not so taboo, but at the same time have very, very clear rules and guidelines when it comes to uh, dad's gun. And so uh, very early on, it was, you don't touch dad's gun ever. Uh, unless dad hands it to you, 
you never ever pick up dad's gun uh, on your own. And then even when dad does hand you dad's gun, uh, we look at the gun separate from the bullets. Right. And so uh, we can look at the gun, we can look at the bullets, but we're not going to look at the bullets and we're not going to look at the guns together. <laughs> uh, the other thing that was imparted to me is I feel like wisdom very early on is that while you may desensitize your kids and your kids kind of become familiar to, to the gun is they're going to have friends that come over. And as they have friends that come over that know that dad's a police officer, they may ask, Hey, does your dad have a gun? Can I see your dad's gun? And that was kind of the, one of the second rules um, for me. And I had two girls so that it made it a little bit easier, I think, because they weren't overly into it. But one of the conversations that we had was, is I am not going to show my gun to your friends. So if your friends ask, you just tell them, nope, we don't do that. And, um, so what kind of influences besides that do you think you have on your children? I mean, obviously your children are a little bit older than mine, Yeah, but you still have influence in their lives. Have you noticed that with your own kids? So one of the first things that, um, in addition to the, to the, the gun and, and handling guns and not being afraid of guns was, um, telling the truth has been this forefront piece for me is you don't lie and you don't lie to dad because if you lie to dad, then basically you're telling dad, you think he's stupid. And I, I'm not so naive as to think that people don't lie because I think that's human nature. Um, but I very was it that was kind of a central, you know, piece for me with my girls of just you don't lie to me. And there's been times where we've dealt with a topic, my wife and I have dealt with a topic with the girls where they've been talking and I will go into interrogation mode. And my wife will tell me, quit being a cop and be a dad. Yeah. And and it's basically one of those of like I know you're lying to me. And again, I'll, I'll do the whole, I know you're lying to me. Do you think I'm stupid? Because I'm not stupid. And that like, I, I know my anger level goes up with that when I feel like somebody's lying to me because they think they can pull one over on me. And my wife has had to kind of ground me in terms of, you know, it's really not about so much getting to the truth or, or, or preventing the lie as it is about being in a relationship. I think that's one of the things that I've realized is that, or at least that I'm seeing the importance of versus, you know, obviously I don't want to have negative influences on my family. I don't want to have negative influences on my children. I certainly don't want them to pick up my bad habits, which is I probably, some of it is probably inevitable, but I think a lot of it is the attitude in which I deal with it. Um, it's very easy to default back to my military side and be very gruff and be very upfront in your face. But when your children are young, I, I think there's probably negative consequences to that. So my oldest son decided to sneak my wife's, you know, Victoria's Secrets <laughs> underwear catalog into his bedroom, um, which, I mean, they're pretty risque. I mean, they're... Oh, yeah. I think he had four or five of them. And, oh, wow. <laughs> and so he decided to hide them. And I said, why do you have a, a sheet on your bed that's not being used? I said, just, is it dirty? He goes, yeah. I'm like, well, just 
put in the dirty laundry. Now I don't think he was using it for, mm-hmm. you know, anything inappropriate. But what I found, I said, well, here, and I was going to take it and throw it in the dirty laundry. And he l- moved over in his bed and, and laid on it. I'm like, what are you doing? I said, <laughs> move. So I grabbed it. And these, you know, magazines are just on his, in the corner of his bed. And I had this moment. I mean, the brain works so quickly. And I could see myself reacting. And I didn't want to be reactionary and totally be, um, I didn't want to be a jerk. I didn't want to go ballistic. I've, I've, my parents did it to me on, you know, on occasion. Um, and I remember being very resistant to what they had to say because their reaction was so poor. So I very calmly said, reached down. I picked him up and I said, I just looked at him and said, you know what? It's late. We will talk about this later. Right now you need to go to bed. And we did, we did talk about it later. I think, but, but I, not to sound boastful, but I was proud of myself in that my reaction wasn't so harsh that, um, you know, there was this breakdown for my son, you know, he, he could tell I was disappointed. He knew it, that he, that he shouldn't have been, you know, um, th- you know, thumbing through them. They weren't his. Um, and we chatted later about it and it was fine. And to my knowledge, you know, I don't think he's been, you know, sneaking magazines or anything, but, um, you know, the, we, I, it was a pivotal moment for me to see that this could encourage my son in, in a manner saying we're going to talk about the sexuality part of this or I could just be a jerk go ballistic and hurt his feelings and now he's going to have this sense of of well I, I, I can't talk about dad to, to dad about anything because he's going to overreact and at the same side I don't want to skew his idea of proper sexuality either mm-hmm. So, but you know, that event kind of made me, has been kind of plaguing my brain with, I have a lot of power. I have a lot of influence. And am I going to use it to build up my family or am I going to default to this military side when something doesn't go right? And, um, and, you know, go ballistic because I can. Cause I could pull my weight cause I could pull my rank and get things done because I wanted to. And I said, so, and this is how it's going to be. And then that's it. I don't, I'm not winning any hearts and minds with that. Yeah. And so I think, I think that's probably one of the bigger areas of, in terms of being a military dad or being a police dad is kind of this idea of, you know, uh, the chain of command and rank and, I'm the boss. And and here's the thing. I, I will say this. I don't think that's completely wrong. I don't think there's, I don't think there's anything. Well, let me see if I, if that's really how I want to say it. It is okay as a dad to say, this is the way it's going to be because I'm the dad. And this is the rule that I'm making. This is my house. This is what your mother's, you know, that is okay. Oh yeah, totally. I agree. Now you don't want to function that way a hundred percent of the time all of the time, because I do think it's fair for your kids to, to understand why you're doing what it is that oh, you're doing. Totally. Yeah. I don't want to, I, I think they're way smarter than we give them credit for. Yeah. And I even think they look for that kind of like, well, you're the dad. I want you to be the dad. 
I don't want you to be my buddy. I don't want you to be my friend. I, I think our, I think families like structure. I think they, right. there's, there's safety in, in, in structure. Um, but I don't want to abuse it either. You know, no. I want their, you know, if I want my, my life to model that of Christ, then there has to be room for grace. Mm-hmm. There has to be room for, you know, imperfections because I am imperfect. You know, I'm going to make mistakes. You know, there have been times I've actually gone to my children and said, that was wrong of me to say that. That was wrong of me to act that way. I am sorry. Will you forgive me? Um, and they, they need to see that, you know, in, my, in the military, I, nobody apologizes. Very rarely do people apologize. They're like, eh, well, deal with it. And, and you, you deal with it. Um, and I, I don't want my children to live life like that. You know, there's, there's, there's more to it than just, yeah, rules are good, but there's more to life than just rules. There's the, you know, the emotion, there is the relationship and, I mean, you're a human being inside a relationship. There's a lot of gray areas. It's not all black and white. So as I think about this podcast and in everything that we're going to say over the, the, the course of this, um, I'm going to, I'm going to go on a limb here and say, you probably just said the most important thing. If, if anybody gets anything out of this podcast tonight, today, it's night while we're recording. So I said tonight. So as you're listening to the podcast, if you get anything out of this, I think what Joe just said is probably the most important thing, whether you're a military dad, a police dad, a fire dad, regardless of who you are, the ability to apologize to your kids and admit when you're wrong is huge. I, I think so. Because you are modeling for them appropriate behavior. Not saying you should apologize for everything, but when you are truly wrong, whether it's wrong with them or even wrong with how you interact with mom. I think being able to say, I'm sorry. And I'm asking you, I'm asking you for your forgiveness is probably one of the, one of the most important things that a dad can model for his kids. And then the other, the other piece of this is modeling the whole, how do you respond when somebody asks for forgiveness is you don't say it's okay. You don't say it's no big deal. If somebody says to you, I'm sorry, and I want your forgiveness, I think the second piece to what you said is, is learning how to say, I accept your apology and I forgive you. Thank you for doing that. Right. Because I think saying no big deal, don't worry about it. It completely minimizes the apology, especially if it's a heartfelt apology when something was truly a mistake, it was truly doing wrong. Right. Well, I think something that, you know, my, my wife will say that she's like, it's okay. I'm like, but it's not okay. It's really not okay. Cause if it was okay, I wouldn't need to apologize. You know, I don't want to, I don't ever want to minimize my own ba- poor behavior simply because someone blew it off. Well, you may have blown it off, but I need to own what I did and you need to, you know, accept the opposite side of that, the receiving side of that. Um, it doesn't mean that, you know, everything's hunky dory, but it means that we're, we're, we're trying to right the wrong and we're acknowledging that, um, you know, it's funny, you know, as I look, think back about making an apology to my children, my, my oldest son, when he was, man, probably three years old, really called me out. And this really changed the way I decided to 
um, operate with how I acted and if I acted out. So I can't remember what he was doing, but he was being belligerent, you know, to my wife. And I got upset that he was acting that way. And so I chewed him out. And then I said, I don't appreciate that. Your mother doesn't appreciate it. And I looked at him and instead of saying, you need to go to your room, I just looked at him and said, beat it. (laughs) And so he goes, you know, he starts crying, goes running down towards his room. He stops at his bedroom door down the hall, turns around and yells at me. That wasn't very nice, dad. (laughs) And I'm sitting there going, I had a total gut check moment because he was absolutely right. Now, I don't remember if I apologized to him or not. Um, I don't think that I did, but I, I, re- I remember that very vividly going, oh man, I need to start addressing, you know, when I'm wrong. If they never see me apologize, how are they going to ever apologize to anybody else for the wrongs that they commit against somebody? Yeah. They won't. Yep. They just won't. So. Yeah. And so as, as dads, I think, um, that is probably the most important thing is what do we model for our kids? Because all of us are going to screw up. All of us are going to make mistakes. All of us are going to get it wrong. And instead of pulling rank, instead of saying, I'm the bat, I'm the dad, this is the way it's going to be. I think asking for uh, forgiveness is huge and modeling that for our kids and then teaching them to accept that apology instead of minimizing it. Because, um, as hard as giving an apology is to minimize it just really lessens it to a level that we shouldn't do. And so uh, Colossians three uh, verses 12, 13 and 14, uh, I think it is a good example of, of what God is, is calling us to do. So um, Colossians three twelve says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Verse 13, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Verse 14, and above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And so I even kind of put ourselves in that position of, could you imagine if you went to God and said, hey, God, I did X, Y, and Z. These are my sins. I'm coming before you. I'm confessing these to you. I'm in relationship with you. I love you. I desire to be who you created me, but I screwed up and I did this. And if you were to tell God, God, I'm sorry, forgive me. And he goes, eh, no big deal. Don't worry about it. There is something powerful in somebody kind of saying, you know what? You're right. You did wrong me. And even though you did that, I still love you and I forgive you for what you did. Well, I think... Well, I mean, let's face it, you know, we, we do set the standard inside of our homes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and if you're a, a woman out there, I mean, this, I don't, don't think that this is oh, no, know, no, only no. about guys. Yeah, this I, is definitely about moms too. Yeah. So, so, but I, but I, we, we do, you know, we do model something inside of our homes for those of us who, who wear this uniform, there's a certain mystique and power that goes with it. And, and we do set this standard because of it. And I don't want to, I don't want to trivial, trivialize, you know, the, the, any part of it. 
you know, there's going to be good. Well, I don't need to trivialize it and make it like it's nothing, but I also don't need to be boastful about it. And when there's a mistake done, I don't need to trivialize it and make it less than what it was. But I also don't want to blow it out of proportion. You know, there's this nice area of moderation and, and I think it only works if we're staying on top of it. You know, it only, so we have to be, I mean, it's easy to be hyper aware and vigilant with outside of, you know, and inside the job. But I think we have to do that relationally too, that, that we don't let the uniform overpower the the place we have inside of our families as husbands or, or wives, fathers or mothers, because then the, there's this, you know, this crossover, this, this bleed effect. And it, if we're not on top of it, then it's just going to, I don't know. I, I, it's, it's very easy for human emotions to take over and things to get out of control. And especially in these, in these job fields, you know, we become callous very easily. So we just, we just start blowing everything off. Everything is just one big callous and we don't, nothing's a big deal anymore when it very well could be a big deal. You know, we need to, I think we need to remember our, the humanity that we have and that our families have and not forget that, that, you know, especially when our children are young, that they're very impressionable. I never want to forget that my girls are special, that my sons are special. And I don't want to marginalize their feelings simply because dad said so. Yeah. And I, I think that's certainly the case, whether you're a mom, whether you're a dad, uh, in these professions, um, obviously what we say and what we do at home has an impact on our kids and we're not always going to get it right. Many of us are trying to do as best we can and it's not easy. Being married's not easy. <laughs> Being a parent is not easy. And, uh, you know, particularly in the culture that we live in, in America, um, we refer to love as this feeling. We, we refer to love as a feeling. And um, the New Testament, when Jesus talks in the, in, when Jesus and Paul are talking, well, anyway, in the New Testament, you look at the word love. Uh, the word love is is really not so much about um, how we feel about somebody, but it's it's kind of based in this um, agape love of of I make a decision to love you. Um, it's a verb. It is this. It's actional. It's not just a feeling. Yep. Yeah. Well, I think that it's hard to remember that in the moments when you know the day has been long mm-hmm. and your fuse is short. Yeah. You know, I think those are the moments when you're just like, I'm tired. I don't want to deal with this right now. It's easier to bark than it is to sit quietly and, um, address whatever's happened. You know, it's easier to say, just leave me alone. I don't want to deal with this. I don't have to deal with it. Well, we don't really get to do that. You know, it's in, and you know, so I, I don't know. Love is a choice you know, and we can act with it, you know, and, and have positive influences on our families with it and say, if I love my family and it's an actionable thing, then that means I will sacrifice more for them to make sure that I am at least attempting to do this right than, than, than default. Mm -hmm. So, so I'm going to shift gears a little bit. And one of the, the things that, um, Olivia, who's my younger daughter, she's now 17. And this was a few years ago. 
and I don't remember exactly what we were watching. I think it was Bates Motel on net on. Well, probably was. I don't know what it was. on. We were watching Bates Motel. So Bates Motel is a current. Uh, well, not so current anymore. <laughs> An updated version of the movie Psycho, a TV show. I thought Bates Motel was a movie. The movie is Psycho. It was uh, Hitchcock. It was in the 60s. And the whole shower scene of her. The epic uh, scream. So, yeah. So, spoiler alert, if you've never seen Psycho <laughs> 50 years after the fact. Uh, the whole shower scene where she is actually murdered in the shower was kind of a new. Um, that was a big deal at the time. Yeah, it was a big deal at the time. And a um, little bit of a tangent here. My friend and I went to training in Phoenix, Arizona for crisis negotiation. And we stayed at a hotel. Um, and one night we went to the the top, the, the roof of the hotel. And there's actually a bar at the top of the of the the hotel and we get up there there's like movie posters and kind of some general memorabilia for psycho and as i'm up there and i'm talking to the gal that's you know pouring our beer for us i'm like oh that's right the movie psycho starts in arizona doesn't it and she was like well it starts in this very building that you're in and i was like what and she's like yeah the beginning of the movie so the beginning of psycho if you haven't seen it takes place in a bank and and the the gal that ends up being killed in the shower has like $40,000 cash in a briefcase, which in 2018 dollars, I think that's like close to, well, it's at least $300,000. So she's basically got $300,000 cash and she decides to steal the cash and kind of heads out on her own. And while she's heading out on her own is when she ends up staying at Bates motel and how she ends up dying. But the hotel that we were staying at in the sixties was both a bank and a, and a, uh, business building uh, business offices in the upper floors. And so the lobby where the movie takes place and she decides to steal the money actually is filmed in this host hotel that we were staying at. And so that was kind of an interesting little, like, Oh, that's kind of cool. So I, I like the movie psycho. It's, I think it's very good. <laughs> so back to my point at some point I'm sitting with my daughter and we're watching something. I think it's based motel, but I don't really remember. And she looks at me and she goes, dad, what do you think human flesh tastes like? (laughs) And I just sort of had that moment of like going, you know, if I was a businessman or even still working in a church or a teacher or whatever, would my daughter be asking me, what does human flesh taste like? (laughs) And it's things like that, that I go, what do I bring home that my children that, that, that skews how my, my kids view the world. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Um, you know, my son is on this kick of asking me about my, some of my military stuff and, you know, so he'll ask, have you done this? Have you done that? Have you done this? I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. especially for watching anything that's got action in or some militaristic, you know, element to it. Um, it's I wonder how long he's been wondering some mm-hmm. of this stuff. Yeah. You know, I can't remember if he's asked me if I've killed anybody yet or not, but, uh, some of his friends have, yeah. which is I'm like, you want to know, why do you want to know that? <laughs> <laughs> um, 
how old was she when she said because i mean my son is he's 11 right now and this has probably been going on for the past few months you know where he's just been asking a lot of questions about it um most of it's harmless you know you know it's just you know, one of the last ones was have uh have you been in space uh, uh no, no. <laughs> do you know anybody that has been in space no i <laughs> i'm sorry yeah um but there, there's been other questions there and I know there's this curiosity, but um, like you said, do normal business people get asked some of these questions? Right. You know? And, and on the flip side, I, you know, I, I will say this is that it has caused me to be much more candid with my children and honest with my children about things. And um. So this is this is going to get a little bit graphic. So if you don't like certain four letter words, please stop listening or fast forward. But I remember fairly early on in my career uh, interviewing a, lo- a young lady who unfortunately had had um, put herself in a situation where she was not sure what had happened the night before. And so she was at the PlayStation making a police report. Um, because she didn't really know whether she had, was able to give consent sec- about what the sexual interaction that they had or not. But I was, I was interviewing her and as I was interviewing her, I was using words like penis and vagina. And if I was a penis or vagina, she would giggle. Now this, this young lady was actually a little bit younger than the age of consent in Kansas, which I'm embarrassed somewhat to say is 16. <laughs> so 16, 16 is the age of consent in Kansas. So God. Yeah. So she was almost 16. I think she was 15, but anytime I would use the appropriate term for bio, you know, the, 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 the parts of a human anatomy, she would giggle, but yet she could use four letter words to describe what happened without batting an eye. And so, you know, yeah. I, I, I'm not going to say because everybody knows what the, what the words are. And it, it just made me kind of go, you know, I, I'm not looking to make, I'm not in any hurry for my children to grow up. No, not at all. But at the same time, I want them to be able to talk about the human anatomy in appropriate terms without giggling and completely falling apart, but then you be able to drop four letter words and cuss like a sailor. Like that's the normal, the normal way to talk. Right. Ultimately when it was that particular call was done, um, you know, there were, there were, there were a ton of factors involved in, um, I think this is kind of the last thing that I guess I just, and this goes for being a parent of anybody is, Learn how to talk to your kids. Yeah, for and, sure. And, and the way you talk to one child may be very different than you talk to another child. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've got to spread. My oldest is 14 mm-hmm. and my youngest is almost six. Mm-hmm. That's not the same conversation. No. And, but even the way they're wired is just very different. No, totally. Because, you know, I, I, I think there is some truth to birth order. I think an oh, yeah, oldest sure. child is very much a rule follower and. I think as you go through having multiple kids and the younger they get, I think that becomes less of a, of a, um, 
central piece of who they are. And younger kids seem to not be quite as concerned with the world being black and white as maybe that first child is, which is okay. I mean, that's, I, I'm a, I'm an older child and I was certainly that way for much of my up, upbringing. Um, but I would encourage you to, to learn how to talk to your kids, learn to speak truth to them, uh, especially as a dad. And again, don't want to exclude the moms in this at all, but I think moms pretty naturally are better at communicating with their kids than the dads are. Probably. Probably. Yeah, probably, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Yeah. She, my wife has a, I don't know. She's with much more delicate about the conversations and she just goes, oh, yeah. she goes, she goes in with way more finesse and I'm like, I, I cannot, yeah, I can't weave it that way. I just can't do it that way. It's just, that is definitely true. And so I definitely think being in this, this profession, um, influences our kids and how they view the world. And, um, so February 14th of 2018, we, there was a mass shooting in Florida and I still think kids that are, well, my, I guess I'll speak on behalf of my daughter who's in high school. I certainly think it, it, it has impacted them, had an impact on them and how they view the world. And, uh, you know, one of the things that she keeps, even as a child who's brought up in a home with guns and a dad that owns guns and, and is, you know, we'll defend the second amendment all day long. You know, I still hear her say, you know, gun control and, you know, things that like, I'm like, Olivia, I'm, I'm all for you having your own worldview and I'm all for you defending whatever you believe, but at the very least be educated, right. About what you're talking about and don't just regurgitate what you've heard somebody else hear. Well, I think that's, that's one of the things we do as parents is we, I don't know, I kind of view myself like the, uh, the bumpers at the bowling alley. Mm-hmm. My job is not to make sure you get strikes. My job is to make sure that I keep you in bounds. Mm-hmm. You know, I want my children to explore. I want them to, to read. I want them to, you know, to, to learn as much as they can and to, ch- and to choose education to, to continually, you know, grow. But I don't want to tell them what to do. I don't want robots. I want them to be their own little people. Um, yeah. So I remember when you shared that story with me, I'm like, eh, all I gotta do is keep you in bounds. That's all I gotta do. Yeah. You, you, you decide because no matter what, they're going to have an opinion apart from me one day. Oh yeah. And, and it, it's going to show up. Yep. So, and that's fine. They just need to know that they're wrong and I'm right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and and I guess even in that, I'm a little bit sort of like when Olivia started talking about the gun control stuff, I was a little bit like, well, clearly I have not like been so dominant on her that she views the world only the way that I view the world. I've, I've at least created an environment where she can have her own opinion. Oh yeah, totally. And I was a little bit surprised by that initially. I was a little like, wow, okay. Well, she didn't agree with me on this and, um, I wanted to initially, like you said, I wanted to tell her my opinion and correct her, but then I had to kind of go, she's almost a grown up. Oh yeah. And and she has to make her own decisions. And I'm glad that it's different than, than how I would have her. I think, um, if I want to, and we kind of set the standards for our children and how they view God and, and God gives you and I free will. Mm-hmm. And then, and I think he says, no, these, these are the truths, but you need to decide what you're going to do with them. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to choose whether or not you're going to 
be in relationship with me. You're going to have to choose how you act appropriately or inappropriately. You get choice in all this. And I, and I want my children to choose that as well. You know, I, I don't want them to, to think, well, I have to believe this because dad believes it. Well, right. Th- well, then Definitely. you don't, then you don't know anything. Yeah. I mean, you don't know anything. And, and I want them to, to know things. I don't, not everything in the world is good, but I want them to at least seek out information to make, make a good choice. You know, you know, I mean, maybe not the best choice, but a good choice. Um, and then I want them to have freedom to talk about it with me. That's the other thing, you know, I, I don't, we don't have to agree. I just want you to, you know, if you've got a question, just ask me. Yeah. I'd rather you ask me and we talk about it than you'd go behind my back. That, you know, not always the best option. Yeah. Cause at least I can, you know, say, well, let's break this down. Mm-hmm. You choose and I'll help you decipher what you want to decide. You know, I, I want to give them good tools for life, not <laughs> rules that make them fear it. Yeah. So. All right. Any other last thoughts? All right. Well, we appreciate y'all for listening tonight on our discussion is how we influence our kids, uh, especially in the profession of military or law enforcement. And if you've listened this long, uh, we ask that uh, you'd also check out our website. It is the jaded one percent.com. The jaded words. One is the numeral one and percent is the word. So the jaded one percent, one being the only numeral, everything else is the full word.com. Um, and you can also read us, reach us at the jaded 1%, same deal, uh, at the jaded, the jaded 1% at gmail.com. So and there's a place on the website to also reach out to us as well. So, and we would like to hear from you and there's, uh, lots of topics out there. So your input is much appreciated. Yeah. If you like what you said, we said tonight, let us know if you didn't like what we said, if there's something else, we'd love to hear from you. So. Thanks very much for tuning in and um, hope that you'll uh, check out our website, check out other podcasts and uh, give us your feedback. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye.